2: A third successive 2-1 win, three points clear at the top of the championship. Things are bubbling along very nicely for Norwich City. They might even be on top of the championship Christmas tree at this rate. And Timu Pukki, talk about taking a moment. His 50th goal on his 100th appearance. He is very much moving into legendary status. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. Looking back on a 2-1 win at Blackburn. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I am Dave Freezer, joined by my colleague Connor Southwell. And we got back from Lancashire in the early hours this morning. And we're also joined by City Van Sam Seaman, who was among the lucky 2,000 to be at Carrow Road on Wednesday night, again for the two-one win over Forest. So we're we're going to have a chat with Sam about that uh, very shortly. Um, but Connor, if I just come to you first, um, sort of your immediate reflections on on that performance against Blackburn.
3: Yeah, it was a it was a really big win. Actually, I think it's it's the type of win you look at sort of a side aiming to get promotion or being talked about. Um, as potentially being able to get promotion. And that's kind of what you expect from them away from home against what I felt was a very good side individually and collectively. I know Tony Mowbray was quite um, frustrated after the game and, and I kind of got that sense because I think they they worked Norwich probably the hardest we've seen so far this season and, and Norwich really stood up to that test. So actually, having had a, a sort of brief night's sleep to, to reflect on it, I think um, that that is probably... One of, certainly their best away win this season, I think for me, um, in terms of how they tested, how they stood up to it, how they had a side that maybe played them at their own game as well. And it's exactly the type of performance I think you expect from a side that maybe has ambitions of getting promoted. So there's a long way to go. And, and, and as you said there, being top at Christmas Day would, would clearly be a, a massive step in the right direction. But considering obviously the injuries that we've spoken about for the last however many weeks um, and we'll probably continue to speak about for, for however many weeks more I think there's um, there's a lot to be positive right now and that doesn't happen obviously a lot in, in football so um, I think supporters have to enjoy it but it was a really good performance yesterday and and, and very um, professional and very well executed I thought and, and very well organised by, by Daniel Farker and his and his players yeah um injuries i mean hope they're hoping
2: that tim crawls going to be back at reading on wednesday and 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 lucas rupp uh against cardiff next saturday so hopefully i mean that the, the smile on daniel's face at the presser on friday when he said i've got no new injury news <laughs> um he was uh, he was very very pleased with himself But sam how did it look on on the sort of i follow stream and things like that following it from afar, You, i mean Timu Pukki, and we've said so much about him, haven't we? But for me, he, he was the difference in the game, wasn't he? And he, he's the reason that Norwich have got another three points.
1: Yeah, I think that was the impressive thing, really, was his performance more than just the goals. You know, I think quite a lot of his... I think at, at first glance, quite a lot of people would think that he's just goals from the, the type of the type of striker that he is, you know, six-yard box goals and things like that. But he actually he contributed so much to the pressing side of things, I thought... Um, and he worked really hard and yeah I thought he was excellent in his general play as well as the two goals which were both well taken finishes.
2: Excellent right well it's good to have you on the pod Uh, a pod debut you've been on um, you've been on Terrace Talk before haven't you so um, we'll uh, we'll we'll ask you a bit about that Forest game in just a minute but at the top of the show I just want to plug it's our Christmas party on Friday night seven o'clock Pink and podcast special Uh, you remember at the start of the season hopefully we did our first Pink and live so we're going to Uh, have the second edition of that, a bit of festive fun in the mix as well. Um, But um, for now, yes, Sam, let's just reflect on the Forest game to start with. Um, Fans back in at Carrot Road, 2,000 fans. I I loved it, you know, back under the floodlights, proper championship game against a good, well, certainly a a decent game, an entertaining game. How was it in the stands? How How much did it mean to you? How much did it feel to finally be back?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, it was. Uh, to be honest, I got a bit more emotional than I was like, expecting um, to start off with. Because uh, I don't actually live in Norwich, so I don't really have any reason to come across the the stadium or anything unless I'm going to a game. So first time in nine months that I've I've been to Carrow Road. Um, I remember pulling up in the Morrison's car park and just seeing the the lights and just it nearly brought a tear to my eye. To be honest. It was a bit of a different experience to what I remember um, being at football matches before um similar but but a little bit different um but yeah it was really it was really good yeah um lived up to expectations for the year.
2: I mean, it, it, we all know it's sort of a slow and steady getting back towards normality, and, and you know when we're going to get full crowds in and stuff. None of us really quite know yet, do we? But h- how did you feel in terms of the sort of COVID side, the boring side of it, and, and in terms of the safety and all the protocols were in place? Did, did you feel like there was sort of enough done to make you feel secure?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good all the way up until the end. I think probably more could be done leaving the ground to um, separate people. I don't really. I didn't really see what that was about. It felt a bit like they just sort of waited ten minutes and held everybody back and then let everybody go at the same time. Anyway, which is a bit weird. But apart from that, I thought it was really good. Um, Really safe. The one-way system and everything. And um, leaving Rose, I thought I don't think I actually would have come within three or four meters of anyone that that I wasn't, you know, outside my bubble. for the whole time up until um, leaving. So, yeah, for the most part, it was pretty safe, I thought. Good
2: stuff. Uh, Connor, how much have you enjoyed seeing the fans back in there for those two home games? I mean, let alone that things are going so well on the pitch and they keep winning 2-1 and they're top of the table and things like that. But, you know, it's been quite a, um, a strange existence for us who have been lucky enough to be in there. You know, we've never forgotten to appreciate that so much but we've missed being able to share it with fans just just the noise you know for instance actually Blackburn yesterday they pumped because we were back in back in a tier three zone weren't we they couldn't have fans in so they pumped in the crowd noise and and I found it really annoying because they turned it up so loud presumably so that it was felt through the iFollow feed for their fans and things like that but yeah how, how nice has it felt
3: yeah I think I think my ears feel like they've they've been at a heavy metal concert this morning um because of because of that crowd noise it's uh, it's ringing but yeah it's it's been it's been really good it's been really good to see them back and and football is about that emotion and it's about supporters and and supporting their team and um even that Sheffield Wednesday game when the players came out to warm up and and the sort of ovation they got it was um it was as as Sam said quite quite emotional really because it's been a very very tough sort of year for everyone really tough nine months 10 months and there's not really been a light at the end of the tunnel or a moment where people can really enjoy themselves. And football is, I think, regardless of what has been sort of happening in the world um, for forever really has, has been a, a source of great escapism you, you come to football and for 90 minutes you kind of forget about everything and um, it hasn't really been able to do that this year and, and that's kind of what it's felt like in the last couple of games it's felt like people have been really enthusiastic to be back uh, as Sam said I think from from our perspective from the press boxes it's, it's looked like they've been distanced and been safe which is obviously paramount but um, it's it's been really good and it has made the games umpteen times better in terms of the atmosphere and intensity and um there, there's now a little bit of tension as well at carro road whereas as you well know dave yesterday at would park i don't think that was necessarily the case for the last 20 minutes um so it's it's been much improved and that's only with 2000 so i'm i'm, I'm really excited to see what it's like with 4000 and 8000 and hopefully we can we can build it up um in in the months to come as 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 the vaccine gets rolled out but it's it's a it's really good news and it's really good news for the players as well, particularly when the schedule is so condensed and you need. A little extra percentage to help you get across that line. I think supporters really do provide that, and um, it's it's only two thousand. It's obviously not where people want to be, but it's a it's a really important step, I think, back towards normality, hopefully, and, and back towards where we all want to go, which is a full car road um, witnessing Norwich City play a football match, which is which is obviously the aim. But it's it's been really improved. It's been nice to look over sort of the laptop at Carrow Road and see different faces and hear noises and rather than just being silence and essentially Ben Gibson's voice, which is kind of what it has been at Carrow Road. Um, but yeah, uh, as as for fake fan noise, I, I don't know your views on it, Dave, but I, I found it really, really quite horrendous, if I'm honest with you. It was, it was quite torturous at times.
2: Yeah, I just blotted it out. It was like white noise in the end. But um, yeah, thankfully we, we well, hopefully we won't have to worry about that at Carrow Road. But uh, Sam, the other side of it, the football side of it, that meant that you got to see Ollie Skip and, and Jacob Sorensen in, in the flesh for the first time. So that that's quite strange for a fan, isn't it? But did it did it, did it feel dramatically different from watching it on a stream in, in that respect?
1: Um, it's it's hard to say, really. I think your point about new signings and stuff when that a few months into the lockdown when I thought about the number of players that have actually never played in front of uh, Norwich fans before that was a bit um yeah that took me back a little bit I think um probably having my my dad and my brother in the living room going crazy helped add to the atmosphere a little bit um watching the game on streams but um Yeah, I I think it was was slightly different. Um, It probably wasn't as loud as, you know, not as loud as I would have expected. But then, you know, 2,000 fans and I think everybody felt a bit strange and a bit nervous. It was like going to a football game for the first time ever, really. Um, So the atmosphere maybe wasn't as crazy as people would have expected. But, um, yeah, I thought it was... It was, still, it was still very different, to be honest, and I actually noticed some things, not just in the atmosphere and the fans and everything, but some things in the game, seeing the whole pitch. You never appreciate how, how much seeing the whole pitch, actually, how much you learn from that compared to a stream until you're forced to watch the streams for nine months, you know.
2: Yeah, particularly if a replay cuts across the action or something at just the wrong oh. point. It's completely out of your hands, isn't it? So, um, yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll keep sort of um edging back towards normality on that front. Um, let's um let's focus on the Blackburn game. Um, first up, let's bring in a little bit of uh, Daniel Farker's reaction and then we'll get stuck into, into how the game unfolded.
4: We were fully aware that it would be a tough test uh, for us today. For, for me, it was clear before the game, one of the toughest away games during the whole season because uh Blackburn is, is one of the competitors for the top 6 uh, positions. I think Tony Morrow is doing a fantastic job. So they have improved from from year to year and they've proved this uh, today again. I think um they are one of the best um, yeah, also possession side they they are an offensive f- threat. Uh, so they they score so many goals, one of the biggest offensive uh, threats in this in this league and I'm pretty sure that not many teams will be capable to uh, travel away with here with uh, with points. And, uh, not to speak about three points, but uh, we were allowed to do this, and uh, I think also in a in a tight game, but uh, also deserved. And for that, um, yeah, we have to deliver all three days. We are still hit by a pretty much a, of an injury crisis, and then to keep going all three days um, in such a difficult um, away game is, is is really not not easy for the lads. And then that we are allowed to to travel away with three points, yeah, it feels fantastic. And I just can praise my lads today for for this for this performance, for this result, and I'm pretty delighted with this. I know
2: we spoke quite a bit about Timo yesterday at the press conference, but <laughs> we can't really avoid it today, can we? Getting get both goals so that it's 50 goals on his 100th appearance, that's, that's
4: pretty special, isn't it? <laughs> the other reward would be good, huh? wouldn't <laughs> he? So more like uh, 50 uh, appearances and 100 goals, but um, now, all jokes aside, uh, Timo is fantastic, so, and, and we all should value what a player we have, so a uh, quality player and and also quality personality, I think it was one of his best games in the yellow shirt uh, today, not just because of the two goals, but also because of his workload, so he was relentless today in in his pressing, he won so many balls and also when you when you go back in the how we scored the second goal, he was also crucial to to win the ball with his pressing to stay in the game, he creates with his movements uh, so much space and and room for his teammates. Uh, he always provides an offensive uh, offensive threat and he knows that we are at the moment have to play without some key players we have no proper left fullback at the moment we're not playing with number one goalkeeper still some key players are out also in the offense so just thank god uh, some guys are uh, are on the way way back and uh, I was able to bring them in for a bit longer period of time but um, today but um, Timo knows how much responsibility is on his shoulders and then to deliver with this class and this Performance this commitment that also for him is unbelievable pressure, yeah he's more like he has to deliver all three days, and even in Finland, yeah, when they have uh, national team games uh, he's a superstar and and once uh, uh, as a prime minister from other country and, and wants to visit Finland, uh, he always gets a shirt of Timo Pukki that says a lot about about how much pressure is on this lad, but how he handled this with such a such a humbleness and such a workload and just thinking about the team, so we never have any discussions about. About he wants to leave the club or whatever. So it's more like he, he enjoys to represent the yellow shirt, he enjoys to be to, uh, together with his, uh, with his teammates. And yeah, of course, in this, uh, we don't have to speak about his goal scoring uh, ability, but also his workload for the team is fantastic. And um, it's, it's a joy to be allowed to work with this uh, player each and every day.
2: No purchase necessary. Voight we're prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and
0: conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Okay, so the only change made was Siefemann benched, uh, Ranchich moves forward, and, and Alex Tetty came in. So let's let's start with with Alex. Um A, a, a big landmark for him as well as Pookie on the day. His two hundred fiftieth appearance. For the club only the 40th player to reach that for, for Norwich City so you know he really does uh, join some esteemed company and uh, an assist Connor <laughs> I mean according to transfer market that's just his um, that's just his sixth assist in those 250
3: games yeah he's, uh, he's you, you, you've, generous. yeah well you, you'd got good money on it wouldn't you I think um team uh, I, th- I think actually he assisted one I'm thinking now Against Southampton in the Premier League last season, and that was a through pass to Timi Buki as well. So yeah. um, that's that's probably his most um, his, his record in terms of assists. I think to a single player, but it, it's look, if, if he wasn't a legend before that sort of landmark, he, he certainly is now. As you said, in, in the top forty ever, um, and, and just a really dependable, reliable player who, who's kind of gone through plenty of eras, plenty of literal up, ups and downs for Norwich City as well. And um, it's kind of, as I said played different styles of football and people kind of wrote him off when Daniel Farker came in and maybe doubted whether technically he'd, he'd be up to standard. And I think Daniel Farker probably did as well and, and quickly realised that actually, if you want to have success in the Championship, then you need a player like Alex Teti, um or Alex Tetty in, in your squad. And, and it's worth noting as well, so many players have come in to try and challenge him and to try and um, uh, get him out of the side, essentially. And 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 he's kind of stood up to every single one of those tests. Use of Malumbu comes to mind as as being one in particular. Um, so, I think he deserves a lot of credit in in that regard, but also for his leadership and what he offers to the young players. Ollie Skip, for an example, there's been many times this season, which I don't think fans maybe would have seen uh, on on streams, as Sam said, which is when the players have come out for the second half. Often he'll he'll have his arm around the player and he'll be talking them through a certain point or something. And it's just those small details, which even though he's not a part of the starting lineup, and he's still contributing and he's still a, a massive part of that squad. And Timmy said to 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 me and and Chris Gorham yesterday that in terms of characters, he's he's really up there and, and he is a leader in, in that Norwich City dressing room and um, he's, he's been a brilliant servant to the club and no doubt when eventually he does go and retire and put his feet up in the snow in Norway and whatever Daniel Fox said, eat cake, he'll, he'll look back on his Norwich City career, I think, with real fondness and, and he will be appreciated as as a, a Norwich City legend, which is certainly what he is. And I know he's got his flaws, which I think he, he probably knows himself, but there's so many elements he, he does do and um, I think you'd still be hard-pressed to find an O-City player that reads the game positionally as well as he does. And I think even even now, even after what, eight, nine years of service, he's he's still proving his importance to the side. And, um, yeah, he's, he seems to be like a fine wine. He's, uh, he's getting a little bit better of age, I think. Yeah, Sam, where have you come down on sort of the Teddy debate over
2: the years? Because he's sometimes been a bit marmite for people, isn't he? But uh, I've always liked him because you've got to have that sort of unselfish player in the team, the the sort of bricklayer who is willing to um, sacrifice himself and and lay that defensive foundation for the team. And, uh, you know, that's not a very glamorous role. And uh, Ollie Skip was talking about it earlier this year. I think it was when he was on the Along Come Norwich podcast that, um, and he said something like, as a defensive midfielder, as that sort of holding anchor, you, you need a 10 out of 10 to really get noticed by people. But,
1: mm-hmm. uh, yeah,
2: I think we can we can all agree now that, that tetty is going down as an Orange legend, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think the, the main surprise for me is how every time there's a, basically every year or every promotion or whatever, people say, this is the last, you know, this is the last one. He's probably just quite beyond his level now. And he keeps rising to it. I've always thought he's actually better in the Premier League than in the Championship. But I think as far as Championship seasons go, I know he's not got too many minutes under his belt um, this time. But I think probably 2014-15 was his best season for Norwich, I think. And apart from that, I think this is probably the best I've seen him play. I mean, it's obviously a lot easier to play well as a defensive midfielder when... We've got a lot of possession and things, but well, maybe that's not true of Teddy, given you know the sort of flaws that he has. But um yeah, I think he keeps surprising people to the point where now when people just refuse to make assumptions about him, you know, I'm every year up until this year, I've gone, oh well, this is the last year of Teddy, but I'm I'm refusing to ever say that again because you just <laughs> you never know, do you? Um, and I think that's what's really impressed me about him. You can never assume that he's done or that he can't meet the level.
2: He's such a lovely guy as well. Always good for a quote, which is good from a journalist's point of view. Um, that meant, though, that, that Oli Skip played the sort of slightly more adventurous role. I mean, in terms of the open play yesterday, I, I did feel Teddy was a little bit overrun at times by the pace of it because Blackburn were, you know, very attacking, ambitious, but you know, he still played a, a, an important role in the game. But, I think with Skip now, Connor, I, I've kind of uh, decided that I prefer him as the defensive player now. And, and, and I would choose him ahead of Teddy as things are, are shaping up, which is good. But as, as I put in the pointers after the game yesterday, that, that then brings us back round to the replacement for Teddy, doesn't it? You know, we've had Louis Thompson, like he could have been here and Ben Godfrey, maybe. And, and hopefully Jacob Sorensen could be that man once he moves out of left back. But, for the moment, I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Skip persevere there, and the only problem with that is that it's likely the only way his on Skip is here next season is if Norwich are promoted. It is likely, isn't
3: it? Yeah, I think so. I think well, Jose Mourinho has gone on record, hasn't he, and said how much of a big fan he is, and you can certainly see why. I think in. In the opening or well, eighteen games of this season, I, I think he's developed as a player absolutely no end. If I think about sort of those those early games, and he's adding he's adding bits to his game now. He's got the the, the technical side that maybe people want to see a bit more from from Alex Tetty and um, I think he's he's a bit more well rounded as well. So um, he's he's a he's a real talent. And, and like you say, it is a shame that he's he's only on loan, and we're not talking about kind of an, another academy graduate in that regard, but. Um, Norwich I I think have have struck a real gem And, and I think yesterday was a really good example actually where Daniel Farker called it right and it probably was the correct decision, I think, on balance to have Skip and Setty together because of, as you said, the the energy that, that Blackburn had, but also the threat they posed um, from an offensive perspective. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I certainly like him in, in that more defensive position. I think that's where he's kind of succeeded. There were a couple of sort of lung busting runs yesterday where he tried to sort of get ahead of the ball and, and that, which was good to see. Um, so I, I think... I think he probably could play in that attacking role, but I think he'd have a better career by himself if he if he decided to to sort of hone his craft in that defensive shielding, screening sort of role, and and that's where I think he's he's really flourished for Norwich. Um, Nottingham Forest is a really good example, actually. I thought that was one of his best games for Norwich, actually. Um, in terms of his overall game and uh, again the positioning stuff that we spoke with Tetti, I think he's he's getting there that was kind of the question mark I had in in the early part of the season and you've got to give credit to maybe the coaching staff and, and whatnot for for drilling that into him but As I said, it's the technical side as well that's really come on. There was a lovely pass in the first half of 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 that Forest game um, where he sets uh, someone away down the down the left, which was which was really nice for memory. Um, I didn't think it was a standout yesterday from him, if if I'm completely honest, compared to perhaps some of his games. But uh, I think the combination of of Tetti and Skip was was really important for for Norwich City winning that that game of football. I obviously, helped with with Blackburn deciding to change the whole midfield. I think after after about seventy seventy minutes. But um, yeah, he's, he he looks a real talent. And um, if he if he keeps on the rise that that he he's showing at the moment and has shown in the early part of his Norwich City career, then then you're right. And that's Norwich City get promoted. I, I don't think there's a chance that he's a, a Norwich City player next season.
2: Yeah, I think skip and Rupp are still the best
3: balance we've
2: seen in that central midfield, isn't it? And that was really the partnership that this run was built on. You know, they've only lost 1-14 of now and, and it was that partnership which got this good form going, really, wasn't it? So, Hopefully, Ruck can return and rediscover that form because I, I did I did like that balance. It was the Forest game, wasn't it, when um, when Skip took the yellow card for the team? when uh, yeah. It was needed, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, he's, he's someone who seems to relish that defensive side of stuff and the interceptions, nick, nicking in and getting the ball. And if the team have lost it, charge charging back to sort of be the hero almost. So, yeah, I, I really like Skip. I think um, we're... As every game goes past he seems to be enjoying himself and he seems to be getting better and better um so we'll see let sam let's uh well i won't put words in your mouth but shall we maybe give Michael mcgovern a little bit of love after this game because he's not got loads i i don't think people have have picked on in particular i think most norwich fans have been sensible and given him a little bit of room for maneuver because they knew he it was quite a difficult situation him coming in he played such a small amount of football over the last few years but that save early doors yesterday at Ewood Park was was a real cracker, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I think that was definitely his his best um, performance, maybe yeah. in a Norwich shirt. Definitely since he's come um, back into the team. Um, it's not just that; it's the sort of moments where I think to start off with, I was just worried about him, you know, just wanting him to do a job. But I think yesterday he actually had a few moments where he was actually really helpful to the team. I remember a low. Harvey Elliott drive from the the edge of the box. I think it was right after he scored, actually. And McGovern, you know, it wouldn't have been an error to have pushed it away, but he actually held it. And I thought that shows sort of where he's, how his confidence has come on. That I think in that Stoke game, he was basically doing anything to keep it out of the net and nothing else. But I think he's actually trying to be an asset to the team now. And I think he actually has been. I think he struggled with the distribution a bit. Um, yesterday. I think Blackburn's press was probably more significant than any that we faced since he's come into the team, and he struggled with that a little bit, but apart from that, I thought he was spot on, claimed the ball a lot more than um, in other matches I've seen him play in, and yeah, I think he's getting better and better, which is a shame, really, because I think we all know, as soon as know, can run, he's he's straight back in the team, so um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame in that way, but I think well, we're all all desperate to get cool back in still.
2: Yeah, I agree. Just because he has such an influence, doesn't he? But I agree with you that as each game has gone on, and I think Daniel Farker did tee this up when he first came into the team, didn't he? That it would take him a little bit of time. I mean, it wasn't far off him sort of coming out of retirement, really, because I think if I remember it properly, it was 100... He'd only started one of the last 140... Eight league games for Norwich, you know, going back to basically the end of the 2016 17 season when Alan Irvin was in caretaker jobs. That's when he was last playing regularly in the league for Norwich. So I know he's played for Northern Ireland in that time, he's played the old cup games, but he hasn't been a regular goalkeeper for the best for, for over three seasons. So, you know, it was never going to be easy for him to, to come in and, and perform at certainly not a, a cruel level because crawl has been in sort of. I'm not sure about the form of his life because he was obviously very good for Newcastle for a few years, wasn't he? But he's certainly been back towards his best in, in recent times. So, so Connor, I mean, is it a case of don't rush Cruel, just, you know, McGovern's doing well enough that unless Cruel is 100% and that thigh is fully healed, don't rush him back? Or is he so important that if he is, you know, 90, 95% fit for Reading on Wednesday night, he's back in the team?
3: Well, that's, that's a good question. No, I, I don't think Norwich should be in a position where they need to rush him back. I think, um, I think what often gets overlooked with goalkeepers actually, and, and particularly ones that sort of replace injured ones is I think whenever any other player comes into the team, there's talk of them needing to get their match fitness back and get used to to the intensity of the game and, and, and stuff like that. I remember that particularly being the case when Jakob Sorensen filled in or was supposed to originally filled in for Xavi Quintia. Um, and Michael McGovern hasn't really been given that license, I don't think, uh, in in some quarters. But I think what we're seeing him get now is a little bit of momentum, and 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 reliable is probably the word I would use. He does he doesn't need to be Tim Cruel as far as Norwich City concerned. He just needs to be reliable and dependable enough to get them through this period and ensure that that they that they can still get the results that they're getting. And um, there has been a, a few mistakes, and he'd be the first to hold his hands up to that. But equally. This is a, as as you outlined so, so sort of perfectly there, Dave. He's, he's not played a lot of football in, in however many years, so there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be um errors, I think. And what we're seeing now is, is the benefits of him getting a run in the team and him showing his quality, as uh, Daniel Farker said that, that he would over time. And so, given that sort of that he's found a little bit of form, and I mean, that save from Sam Gallagher yesterday was absolutely sublime. There, there is no need to rush Tim Krull back now. There's, You haven't got a, a disastrous goalkeeper who, who's making mistake after mistake. This is um, someone who's been really solid, I think, not not just for this game. I thought he was quite solid against Forrest as well. Um, obviously, it probably highlighted a bit more and emphasised in, in, in emphasising this one a little bit more because of the saves he made. But in terms of the way he claimed crosses against Forrest and his, how vocal he was, and it, he was a, a lot more commanding, I felt. And so that's that's kind of been two games where I think he's been much improved. So there's there's no real rush from from my part to get Tim Kroll back if he's not 100% right. And of course if he is fully fit, then for me that doesn't really become a debate because I think Tim Kroll is a well-rounded probably better goalkeeper than Michael McGovern on the whole. But if Norwich need Michael McGovern to fill in for a week or, or, or two weeks longer, then they know they've got someone there who's very reliable, very dependable and will do his best. And he's someone that's well-liked in the group as well. So um i'm i'm really pleased for him because he's um he he seems like a really lovely guy he's he's well liked in the group and um and yeah i i don't think it's a case of of rushing tim Krull back too early as they may have to do sort of with jordan Hugo or or the strikers for example i think they're in quite a nice position where they've got a goalkeeper in form if 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 tim Krull's not fully fit so um as ever he's 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 proven himself to be very dependable and 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 similar to Alex Tetty, although without the volume of games a very good sort of um loyal servant for Norwich.
2: Yeah, he's very well-liked in the squad, isn't he? And for me, I mean, two difficult games coming up this week. Reading away, who'd been a bit of a surprise package, and then Cardiff at home on, on Saturday. For me, the, the bigger game for Crawley to be back for is Cardiff. I'll I've, I've just pulled up the stats in front of me here. Um, Neil Harris in charge of, of Cardiff. Um, Aerial Jewels won. They top the, the championship statistics by quite a way. They're averaging 35 Aerial Jewels one a game. Norwich averaged the lowest, no surprise there, of 16 a game. So that's a massive difference. You can guarantee they are going to bomb the ball in the box at Carroll Road. They're going to chuck set pieces in. And, and Tim's that bit bit taller, a bit better at clearing out those sort of situations. So unless he is 100% ready to go at Reading, I'd, just, I'd keep McGovern in just for one more game. Um, I don't think it's helped necessarily that Zimmerman has had to come back in as well because Gibson dropped out. I think if, if Gibson and Hanley had been able to continue with the the way they were going in terms of controlling possession. That would have probably helped McGovern a little bit more as well because Zimmerman has felt like he's, you know... At a Blackburn, he found a little bit more rhythm, but he's still not quite where he was previously in terms of um, his passing um, rhythm and things like that. So, yeah, that that would be the one for me. Um, Sam, Mario Vrancic gets pushed pushed forward into into the 10 role. Um, how, how did you think he did? I, I kind of... I thought he was a pretty good first half. There were certainly some good moments, but then... Um, once Blackburn had got their equaliser, and, you know Norwich hadn't really started the second half well, and, and and I thought he went missing a little bit. Maybe maybe just ran out of energy a bit.
1: Yeah, I think recent performances in the number ten position have made me um, appreciate the fact that Kieran Dowell is back a bit more. I think um, probably Rancic being pushed forward wasn't necessarily, I think tactically probably. Um, Farker would have gone for teddy and skip I think that was a choice, but I think in terms of Stieperman or Vrancic, I think that was more of a reflection of uh Stieperman's recent performances, which I think have been poor um than it is if, of yeah um and i don't I don't think personally that um a number ten is Vrancic's best position i think more of an eight um is what suits him best. Um, So, yeah, I think it's more, Vrancic does seem to be in good form and we know, you know, he can pick a a moment of magic out of nowhere, probably like nobody else apart from Buendia in the squad. Um, So I think you probably have to fit him in somewhere, or there's an argument to fit him in somewhere for the big games. Um, I don't know. I don't think that is as the number 10, though. And with Rupp coming back, I don't see, I, I think maybe, Vrancic is one of the first to go out of the team, actually. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably he impressed me definitely more than Stevenman has um, recently. And I think if it's a choice between those two, I would go for Vrancic. But with Dow coming back in, I think he's probably the the natural choice based on current form.
2: Yeah, I think Vranjic and Steakman both ideally could have done with a break at some point and they've just not been able to get it, have they? they they've both done decent things at, at times in this run of games. And, and Mario, when you're in a home game and it's a game where Norwich can have 60% odd of possession or whatever, he can play that central midfield role, no problem at all, because he can pick the pass. And there was some lovely moments. I mean, he did set up skip for the goal that was disallowed didn't he that um with a little product to the box um sticking with you sam um josh martin then just to sort of while we're on that similar theme what, what do you make of his performance
1: yesterday i thought he was excellent actually i think his end product maybe it's not i don't think his end product was actually poor i think he was a bit afraid to take risks at points lacked confidence i think there was one point it actually led to the goal so not too many complaints from me but um he took a touch, you know, it bounced out and he could have or should have gone first time, really, and he took a touch. Um, so I think he's maybe um, he needs to wait for his stature in the first team to grow a little bit or we need to wait for that. And then he'll probably feel more comfortable taking on those sorts of things. But I think his um, his sort of interplay and his close touches and things are, are really good. He reminds me a bit of um, Campwell in the 18-19 season. Where he's really showing signs of promise and that he can be really handy on the ball, but I think he just um, he needs a bit of confidence. He needs a bit of time, maybe a bit more physicality. Um, but I've been really impressed with some of the little bits that he's shown on the ball, especially.
2: Yeah, well, uh, to, we'll come to your Timmy in Pookie interview in just a just a minute, um, Connor. But. Uh, just to just finish off this part of the pod, um, what do you make of Campbell and McLean's performance from the bench after Puky had reclaimed the lead? Because, as I said a minute ago, the start of the second half wasn't great, was it? But McLean didn't do anything particularly glamorous. But I, I did feel like, well, I turned to you near the it was what eighty minute or something, wasn't I? I? Was like, where's the last twenty minutes gone? It was just <laughs> they were just grinding it out, and they they kind of they found a way to kill the game, almost, didn't they?
3: Yeah, and I, and I think that was really important because, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was it was really important because if you look at where Blackburn's threat was coming, it was it was down the left hand side, largely or, or through down Norwich's left hand side with with Harvey Elliott, who, seventeen years of age, by the way, what a talent he looks, um, and and all Norwich really had to do was, was solidify that. Part of the pitch and make sure that it wasn't as vulnerable and Sorensen wasn't as exposed. And that's no sort of slight on Martin, but with with Sorensen not a natural left back and Martin a, a very young man sort of feeling his way into first team football, it, it's it's kind of easy to see why Blackburn did get a a, a little bit of joy down that down that um, sort of left hand side. And um, I, I felt what McLean and Campbell did was just shore things up, and and they had a bit of experience and, and offered a bit more protection that allowed Norwich to make it a very dull last twenty minutes to see out the game. They even had two really good. Opportunities to to sort of finish the game, if you like, through Steepman and, and Campwell himself. But um, yeah, I, th- I think both times Todd has come on the pitch, both against Forest and um, on 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 Saturday against Blackburn, he's added something. He's offered a, a little bit of something, and and that's really good to see. And, and I must admit, I mean, Sam mentioned Kieran Dowell. I think if if you think about Emi Buendia, Kieran Dowell, and Todd Campwell with with Timu Puki up front, that's a that's a mouthwatering prospect at this level. And um, if if Norwich can get him back in particular back up to full speed and back where he was last season, then then clearly there's a talent in there. Um, and and yeah, just on Kenny McLean, I, I think similar to to kind of what I said about McGovern, it's, it's just this period where he just needs to find um, his, his fitness again and, and his match fitness. And also maybe a little bit of form as well. I, I kind of think he was, he was pretty good, I felt, for for portions of the Premier League season and I think now he just needs to find his role in this Norwich City team a little bit like again like we spoke about Mario Vrancic where certain game states suit him when when Norwich have 60% possession at home um, he, he kind of needs to I think um, sort of force his way back into the side and his quality again and sort of decide what the perfect game is for him and I kind of felt that Blackburn game would have been it actually maybe as a number 10 um, where, where he can work very hard offer something airily when they've got my governing goal and they perhaps need the outlet at the top end of the pitch as a bit of an escape given his um, his, his worries in terms of distribution but both contributed to it as you said making it a very solid 20 minutes and, and helped Norwich manage that l- final portion of the game to to make sure they win it or won it rather but um, as I said I, I would probably point more towards the fact that Tony Mowbray decided to change his entire midfield um, which I, 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 don't, I don't think was it with hindsight a particularly great decision although I can see why he did it obviously with the schedule and how relentless it is and also how energetic they were as well but um, I think it it um, it helped Norwich no end actually that that decision but those two players really helped shore things up and and, and made sure Norwich got over the line I felt. Yeah, they definitely
2: lost their rhythm. And it was such an important win as well, it's worth saying as well. Norwich still three points clear at the top. Um, but Bournemouth, Swansea, Watford, Reading, and Brentford all won as well. So they sort of kept pace. And you know, Norwich on 37 points, which is brilliant, but that, that's still only seven points clear of Bristol City and seven. So this is this is far from done. But while I'm mentioning points, I did mention this. In the pointers at Pinkin.com as well, let me just pull that up in front of me to remind myself, but the comparison of, 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 with the previous Norwich seasons, um, they are a point better off than they were in 2018-19 after 18 games. Um, they are 10 points better than they were under Neil Adams in 2014-15 at this point, and of course still went on to finish third and, and met the playoffs under Alex Neil. Same, uh, that Lambert, 2010-11, they, uh, they ended up finishing second, but they had 10 points fewer at this stage. And uh, the Nigel Webberton team, 2003-04, they had three points fewer at this stage. And that's when, you know, Darren Huckabee was smashing the division, basically, and Norwich eventually would go on to win the title. So they're better than all of those teams So it's it's all looking very good. Right, let's hear Let's chat with team Cookie, and
0: then we will talk about just what a brilliant signing team it has been for the club. I, I knew I'm uh, I'm going to get my 100 games, and I knew I'm a uh, couple goals behind uh, to get uh, 50 goals. Uh, so that was uh, actually my uh, my target to get 50 today. I really wanted to to get it in this game, and uh, and yeah, uh, f- wanted to to of course give give this team uh, the help the striker needs to do is uh, scoring goals and. And yeah, I was uh, uh, really wanted to get those two goals actually today. Yeah, I saw Emmy shooting it, and uh, just wanted to put my leg in front of, uh, of the ball to, to try to do something, change the direction, to make it hard for a keeper. And and I hit me quite perfectly, and and went in. So obviously, I I, I meant it. <laughs>
3: Timmy, just a, a few for me. Obviously, the, the milestone you mentioned there. When you signed for Norwich, it was, it was quite a big risk on your part to come and play in England. Is it gone sort of beyond your wildest dreams, really?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a, a kind of tough decision. Will it fit me to play in in championship championship? But you can say it fit me quite well. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, of course, I, like I said, probably didn't believe I could have 50 goals after 100 games. But, uh, but. From the first day I came here i 've been feeling feeling great to play for this club, and obviously happy with all the all the goals i 've done so
3: far i don 't know if you know but those two goals put you in the, in the top twenty five for goal scorers for this football club, which is obviously a magnificent achievement in in so short games. How does that sort of make you feel when you when 're seeing and, and hearing sort of accolades
0: like that come your way yeah of course it 's has been doing really really well, and yeah there's many been many many goal scorers in this club, so so happy, happy, really happy to put my name in the, my name in the history of the club, and uh, I hope I uh, hope I can keep 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 doing doing more more history for for this club. And and you
3: kind of mentioned the mentality was was today a really good example of that because you had a side effort that, that made you work really quite hard for that victory. Is that a sign that maybe you have the mentality to go again and, and to push at the top end of this uh, of this division?
0: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of work to do, but we're in a good way now, and, and yeah, this this team has has great mentality, and uh, we're working for each other every every day, every game. So so there's uh, there is just in this team is, is for sure we have a chance to do it, but nothing comes easy. There's uh, many games to go, and we we need to keep working every game, every 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 day. We have seen it when when we have off day. Mm. Yeah, good teams, we, we lose, uh, lose points then, so we need to focus every day.
1: From true crime to
2: football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to
3: audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.
2: So, that was... Timu Pukki, um, just wonderful symmetry. Love it. Fifty goals on his hundredth appearance. It's just perfect. And great to hear him say that, you know, he wanted to, to to grab that opportunity, that he knew that he could sort of make those headlines. Um Sam, can you sort of cast your mind back to, to when he signed for the club and, and, and what what your thoughts were? Because I I certainly didn't know much about him at all when, when it that when his name arrived on the scene. But as a free transfer I think off the top of my head, if that's correct, it's thirty-eight goals in fifty-nine Championship games. So at this level, he's he's just imperious, isn't he? But yeah, what well, to cast your mind back a bit to twenty eighteen, what what did you first think?
1: I thought it was a good backup to Jordan Rhodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I think it was at the time when you know there was a point when I think me and a lot of other Fans were getting quite disillusioned with the club. We'd had two, obviously, two seasons in the championship without really threatening to get back up, and um, I was losing faith a little bit. And every signing that came in, you just sort of went, "Oh, another free signing, another five hundred grand," because you know Weber thinks we're a tiny little club, which was my opinion at that point. Um, (laughs) But uh, I remember, I think watching him, and obviously the level isn't great, but we had a friendly with Kings Lynn, I think, in that summer. Uh, and I remember watching that game, and th- I think he played as like a number ten. Yeah. Um And I thought this guy is looking really good against you know against semi-professional footballers. Um, granted, at the time, but that was the first time I was impressed with him. And um, I think from that Middlesbrough goal when we won one 0 at um, at home, he just didn't really stop. So, yeah, it's it's funny. You'd you'd think it would take these players sort of a lot of time, especially with Timu who hasn't really, um, you know, he had played four years, I think at a not, not a great level in the, the Danish top flight and it didn't take him any time whatsoever. Really. He came in, you know, <laughs> impressed against Kings Lynn. And then um, he didn't really stop ever apart from the, the six months in the, the Premier League when he was just really tired. Um, so you know, obviously, what a signing! And uh, I think I saw in in Connor's verdict yesterday, he said that it hasn't been brought up for a while. Um, so you know, now that he's got the fifty and hundred, I'm sure it will start. People will start wheeling it out every um, every few days in the media, and um, you know, it's justified because it was a, a great signing. And I don't think anybody expected him to perform anywhere near as well as he has. He's He's been brilliant and he's got such a good attitude as Daniel Farker has, uh, has spoken
2: about how he's so selfless and he's a team player and um, I don't know if it was maybe a little bit pointed in his press conference on Friday he, and on Saturday after the game he mentioned that you know I don't ever have to talk about is he going to another team or things like that he, he's just happy and settled at Norwich isn't he and he's he's well on his way to, to, to legendary status that I mean that moves him level with Martin Peters in 24th in the all-time top scorers list so that's not half it? A, a World Cup winner and Obviously, his goal ratio is absolutely brilliant. But Connor, kind of the winner at Ewood Park. I mean, if if we're honest, we we until we'd seen a replay, we well we weren't sure that it was Pookie's goal. We were going on his celebrations, really, weren't we? But once you've seen the replay, it's a real clever little flip Because I don't even think Wendy's shot is on target, is it?
3: No, I don't think it is. And actually if you uh, if if anyone wants to go back and and take a look over the the live blog, you'll see me uh, get credit dear with the goal um for just thinking that it's taking a deflection off a off a Blackburn man. Uh, but yeah, you're right because of the celebrations which was um it was quite frantic at that moment, wasn't it? Because we were all kind of looking at each other and going, was it Puki was it because obviously it was his 50th goal. It's a massive moment. Um and and it had to be like that. He couldn't have just gone through one on one and slotted it in. Could it, it would have been far too easy? But no, he definitely meant it. And and obviously you heard from him there that he definitely meant it. But look at the replay. I mean, he sticks his leg out deliberately to change the direction of the ball and. That is the sign really of someone who is so clever and so intelligent in, in the box and with their finishing. And um it, it takes a really good striker, I think, to to be able to have that awareness because it, it, I mean when he has flashed a shot in. It's it's uh, it's not like he's he's hit a P roller across the floor, is it? It's um it was it was some some strike with force, but that kind of sums him up. He's he's just instinctive, he's intelligent, he gets himself into good positions. Um as Sam said um right from the off, he, he presses really well. I think. Daryl Lennon probably went to went to sleep last night having nightmares of Teemu Pukki cuz he looked terrified every time he had the ball and, and he was running at him. Um he's 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 been he's been excellent for Norwich and I remember actually the the day he signed cuz I think when everyone was kind of waiting for for the Ben Marshall deal to to get done over the line and and he was announced kind of as a out of the blue sign and hadn't been reported anywhere no one had suggested it and um from his perspective a big risk really because Obviously, his name really was only known in, in in these sort of on these shores for for that time at Celtic, which wasn't necessarily the best time in his career. And he's he's maybe had to to shake off a bit of that reputation. And boy, has he certainly done that. I mean, the one in two ratio—that's kind of the ratio over a season we look at and go, well, if a striker's hit that, then they've done pretty well. He's he's managed to do it over three seasons, and that is with half a season in the Premier League where he didn't score a single goal. So. It's um, it's a really amazing statistic, and he's a he's a very good player, um, and uh, and yeah, the next stop for him is uh, is a hundred goals, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, wow, well, that would be very nice indeed, wouldn't it? But um, what did? And uh, I've got I've got the got it in front of me. You and Rob has got 90, 96 goals, didn't he? Um, hang on, let me just open up my book. Um, what did Grant Holt get? He got like eighty four, didn't he? Yeah, he was eighty something, I think, wasn't he? Or seventy-eight Grant Holt, um, Robert Fleck eighty-four, Ewan Roberts ninety-six. I mean, it's only Terry Olcock and Johnny Gavin who are uh, who are over a hundred goals. So, but who's he got? I mean, he, he could make quite a bit of progress this season. Still, you know, if he's on fifty now, there's there's a few players, only a few goals in front of him. Like Wes Houlihan on fifty-four? Ron Ashman fifty-six. Ken Foggo fifty-seven. There's every there's a very realistic chance he gets into the top 20 of the club's all-time scorers um this season. He only needs another five to, to get there. So yeah, what what a signing he has been. Um right. Thank you very much, boys. Actually thinking about it, he, he probably should have hat trick should have had a hat trick, shouldn't he? Because you know he was denied by the crossbar, then fired over. That late chance that Campwell sort of fluffed I think he probably should have left it for, for Pookie as well. And you've just reminded me actually when you mentioned Celtic that after the promotion, obviously interviewing the players in the mix zone and stuff after games, every single week during that first half of the season, particularly after he'd scored, there'd be a national journalist who'd say, so what went wrong at Celtic? And every time his face would just drop me like, oh, do I have to talk about this again? (laughs) So (laughs) I'd kind of, put all that to the back of my mind and thankfully we don't have to worry about that too much. But yeah, I mean, if he gets anywhere close to a hundred, then that would be uh, that would be a brilliant story. Right. Thank you both very much, Sam. Thanks so much for, for joining us. And we'll have to have you on the pod again. Great to, great to uh, have a catch up with you. Have a great Christmas. Thank you. You too. And um thank you very much for listening. You can also hear us on future radio. 107.8 FM. And don't forget our pink and live Two, which is our Christmas party Friday night. 7pm kickoff, and we'll have a bit of fun and of course we'll be looking ahead to the Cardiff game which is the lunchtime kickoff next Saturday. We've got the Reading game between now and then as well which is Wednesday night so of course Picking.com is the place to be for, for keeping up to date with everything that's going on at the Medesky Stadium. But for now Norwich flying high at the top of the Championship. Let's hope it continues. Thank you very much for listening.